As you can see, the title of my sermon is, How Is It That You, a Jew? This is a story that can be found in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 24. It's a story that, honestly, uh, we were, I was looking at um, because we watched a show um, that was really impactful. I enjoyed it very much. I personally would recommend it. That does not mean that everybody would agree with that, but I personally would. It's called The Chosen, and it gave an insight as to some, I mean, they took some liberties, some artistic license, but they gave a generalized picture of what the life of Christ, some people in the life of Christ, um, just, just kind of a general show about that, about the life of Christ. And I found it very powerful and very impactful because it took a very human look at stories that we find in the Bible and put a very human element to it that sometimes I miss when you read it in a book. Um, one of those stories was the Samaritan woman. The story about the Samaritan woman. And that's what this story is about. This is about Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Give you a little bit of backstory on this, on this passage and on this story. Because there's a lot there. Verses 1 through 24 is a lot. We're not going to read all of it. So I'm going to do some synopsis real quick, and then we're going, to, we're going to get into what the story is about. The first thing is that Jesus is leaving Judea, headed to Galilee. And that's, that becomes very important in just a moment. But Jesus is leaving Judea, Judea, let's put it that way, Judea, going into, uh, headed to Galilee because the Pharisees, had found out that Jesus and his disciples were baptizing people more than what John was doing. And so it kind of gives a context that Jesus was leaving because of the Pharisees, and he's trying not to have a confrontation right then with the Pharisees. So he ends up leaving, headed towards Galilee. To do that, he has to travel through a region, of, region called Samaria. Um, Samaria is right smack dab between Judea and Galilee. Well, on this, tra- on this travel, he becomes tired, and there's a well nearby where he's, while he's traveling, and he wants to have a seat, so he sits down and, is, and uh, just is waiting there. It's about midday, about noon, when this happens. His disciples go off to a nearby town to get food, and to you know, help refresh Jesus and themselves as they've been traveling a long time. They've got a long ways to go still. So his, his disciples are gone. And while his disciples are gone, a woman comes to that well. Now, this is significant because that woman comes to the well at a time of day that is really not the time of day people would go draw water. You draw water at the beginning of the day or you draw water at the end of the day. You wouldn't go in the middle of the day, in the hottest part of the day, out of town to go draw some water for you. So there's some significance to the reason why this lady wanted to go in the middle of the day. Jesus happens to be, obviously I know there's no real chance that Jesus happened to be at that well, but Jesus happens to be at the well at the same time as this lady, and he is willing, or he is ready to have a talk with this lady that comes to this well. 
And that's where we're going to start this evening. John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. A woman from Tamaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now Jesus asked for a drink of water because he's human and he's tired. He's been traveling a long time and he's thirsty. He's sitting right next to a well. And a lady is coming to the well who is getting water. So he asked the woman for a drink. And her answer, I find, is extremely interesting. Her answer is, how on earth, who are you, why are you asking me for a drink? I found that very interesting. I find it very telling when you consider the situation of the children of Israel in that time period. I want to talk to you real quick about what that, why that matters. I want you to, to realize that, G, that she specifically says, a woman of Samaria. Well, what was, who was a Samaritan woman? What, why, what was significant about a Samaritan? Their significance, just like their significance to the fact that they were the people of the children of Israel were Jews, their significance to the fact that that woman was Samaritan. If you remember your Old Testament history, you know that the, the, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two, two parts. The southern kingdom that was Judah, Judea, I must say that wrong every time, Judea or Judah, whatever you want to call it, and then the northern tribes, northern kingdom, which was called Israel. If you know your Old Testament history, the children of the, the northern tribes, Israel, had very wicked kings and very evil things that happened in their land. So as punishment, what God did is he sent the Assyrians in to basically carry off the Israelites. So what the Assyrians did was they carried all these Israelites off, but what they were known for doing was not only being extremely brutal with their punishment to the people that they conquered, but they also had a practice of relocating people. So to completely destroy these people's hearts and their desire to fight back, what they would do is they would take a group, say the children of Israel, people from the northern tribes, they would move them to a completely different location and bring other people into that area. So there's no ties between some of the Israelites that remained in the area to the people that are coming in. In just the same way, the people that were relocated are not tied to the people in the other regions. So in that way, the Assyrians were able to, to basically cause chaos in those areas and make issues for those people in those areas. Now, as you can imagine, if that, if that happens for a long period of time, those people don't stay separated for long. So those children of Israel, the, the Israelites that were told to be a peculiar people and to stay by themselves, started getting married and started becoming more and more integrated with the people that came into that area. And so what happened was that not only were these Jews evil because they were just doing bad things and, Jesus and God relocated them, had people had them relocated, but not only that, he also, or what they also did is they started intermarrying amongst people that came into that land. Now the people of Judah also were carried off in Babylon, but they had a little bit easier time, if you will, of staying together. When they came back, they came back as a people, came back together as a people. And so there was less of that. I'm not saying there wasn't any at all, 
You're gone for 70 years. I'm sure that happened. But as far as the majority of the people that came back were still pure Jews. And that matters. Because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. The Jews and Samaritans hated one another. Jews thought of Samaritans as dogs because they weren't pure. They weren't pure Jewish people. They were mixed with other people from the land. They weren't as good as they were, as the Jews that were pure were. But you know, the, Jew, the, the, the Samaritans thought the Jews worshipped God in a, in a wrong way, in a wrong place. And also thought that they were arrogant for having that feeling that they were just better than me. The Jews actively avoided being around Samaritans. And Samaritans harassed Jews whenever they were in their land. Many times that their, their hatred came to the point of violence. There were stories about uh, uh, Samaritans, thugs, who would end up uh, beating people up on their travels between uh, Judea and Galilee, and they would leave them for dead. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan struck a little bit closer to home to those Jews than we may, we may uh, think of. Because that was the sort of thing that would happen. But you know something else? Whoop, I missed. Jews would burn villages of the Samaritans because they hated them so much. These two groups of people, in all reality, were the same people. Were the same people. Yet they still hated each other and treated each other with disrespect, treated each other with hatred. To the point of violence. So if you look at this map, where Jesus stops, Jesus' route is straight through the middle of Samaria. A normal Jew would go around the Jordan side or go around on the Mediterranean side to avoid these people because why would I want to be around Samaritans who are going to end up beating me up, think I'm arrogant? Why would I want to be around those people? Why would I even put my family in that type of situation? No, I'm going to just go around and not deal with it at all. Versus Jesus who says, you know what? I'm a Jew, but I'm going to go straight through the middle. And when he's doing that, he stops at that, that Sakar. That's where he stops. That's where the town is. And he meets this woman. Now, I know Jesus had a specific purpose for doing that, but I want to, I want to focus or I want to definitely point out the fact that this was a different situation than what would normally happen. Just the, the fact that he was traveling through the middle was already different. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. You know, I want to notice something in this story right here. Jesus 
asked for a drink of water, the woman very defensively says, who are you? Why are you asking me for a drink? In a very defensive way and saying, what is going on here? I'm sure it surprised her that this Jew was even talking to her. Not only is she a woman, and let's be honest, at that time, there wasn't really all that great equality on that, on that front. But she's also Samaritan, and she's thought of as extremely below and subservient to these Jews, by Jews. So she says those, she, she's a very defensive person, and Jesus said, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be, talk, you'd be asking me for a drink. You'd be asking me for the living water. She still doesn't get it. <laughs> she still doesn't get it. Are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than my father? I can just imagine the sarcasm in the, in the, in the, uh, the well, sarcasm, that she had in her voice as she's saying this to a Jew, someone that she doesn't really like, who doesn't like her. And she's got this attitude. But Jesus is talking to her. And Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give him, I will, he will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus doesn't miss a beat, does he? He doesn't let that distract him. He, said, he keeps going with what his thought was. He says, everyone who drinks of the water that you're drawing from is going to be thirsty again. But everybody who takes a drink of what I'm going to give is going to be better off for it. The story continues. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirstier. I have to come here to, drink, to draw water. Maybe it's just me, but again, I, feel, I keep getting the feeling that she just does not get it. That she does not understand what he's saying. I see, I, I hear this in my head as, give me this water. I, I, I'm tired of having to draw water. Give me this water so I don't have to do this anymore. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you have now, the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where the people ought to worship. The woman deflects. The woman deflects the accusation or the, the true statement that Jesus makes, and she, what she wants to do is deflect and say, you know what, well, what, what, let's, let's talk about a theological issue. Let's talk, talk about an argument. Let's talk about something that really doesn't matter right now. Instead of dealing with my sin issue, what we're going to talk about is this over here. Because that's the most important thing to talk about instead of dealing with the sin issue. And so she deflects and goes off to talk about something else, which is the place where people should worship. And again, Jesus does not get distracted. Jesus does not take the bait, if you will. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You 
worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for, the, for salva- salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now, is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus doesn't let, let her deflection of what he was addressing with her draw, draw him into a deep theological argument. Instead, he answers it and moves on to what's actually important. He discusses, deals with it, and moves quickly into the next thing. He doesn't dwell. He says, well, you know, he doesn't say, well, I, I, you're just wrong. I can't believe you feel that way. That's ridiculous. Your opinion's wrong. That's not true. You know, all, all Samaritans must be that way if you think that way. All Jews must be this way because you said this. But Jesus moves from that and says, the hour's coming where it doesn't matter. Guess what? It doesn't matter. So I want to tell you that there's lessons to be learned from this story. They're very powerful lessons, and I would like to talk to, to you guys this evening about those. The story is very quick, but there's a lot there. God is not a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. You know, this is something that Peter had to learn. Peter was a Jew who had some issues with Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 35. So Peter opens his mouth and says, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God doesn't care whether you're a Jew or a Samaritan. God doesn't care what your social economical status is. God doesn't care about frivolous things like that. They may be important to you. They may be important to me. But to God, the creator of all things and all people, all races, sorry, the human race, God doesn't care. Not only does he not care whether you don't like somebody or not, he's not going give to you, give you an easy way out simply because you are a certain type of person. You know, that woman as a Samaritan could say, well, because of the situation that I am in, where I am at, you don't need to be talking to me that way. You have no right to talk to me this way. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't, he doesn't talk about that. He doesn't get into that. He says, you know what, you've got, he's talking about her husband. He says, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You have, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with right now is not your husband. 
He doesn't talk about the fact that she's a, 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 a woman or a Samaritan. He deals with the sin issue. He deals with the sin that's occurring. And that's what Jesus cares about, is dealing with that. God doesn't respect the persons, the people in that way. What he wants to do is save a soul. You know, Jesus didn't let arguments distract him from the goals that he had. Like I said earlier, Jesus knew what he was doing. He went to Samaria for a reason. He didn't just go just because, hey, let's just go to Samaria. I'm Jewish, let's go to Samaria. That's the thing to do, right? That's not why. He had a purpose for what he was doing. And he didn't let the arguments that the Samaritan woman brought out distract him from what his purpose and his goal was. It's very easy to let things like that distract us. And it's very easy for us to get wrapped up in arguments and discussions that in the reality of Christianity and the reality of being a Christian doesn't matter. John chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you, give me a drink, or who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. Jesus didn't let her accusation and her sarcasm and her defensiveness keep him from doing what he needed to do and from saying what he needed to say. Romans chapter 14, verses 1, as for one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarreling, quarreling over opinions. What about verse 4? Who are you to pass judgment on a servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands and falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You know what happens when we start fighting and bickering over opinions and things that we think is right? We start passing judgment we start passing judgment on others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, people we should love, people we should show the world together we stand as Christians, not as Jews, not as, not as Samaritans, but as Christians, we stand together. Because in reality, when we start shooting our opinions giving our think-sos about, well, this is right, this is wrong. When we make blanket statements, we're passing judgment on others who don't feel that way. We do not have that right, Christians. We do not have that right because they do not answer to us. They answer to God. They are servants of God. It is before God that they are going to answer, that they are going to stand and fall for their thoughts and for their actions and for their opinions and their beliefs. Their opinions. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Let's not lose focus of what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about your opinion. It's not about what you think. It's about what God thinks. It's about what God has asked in his word. 
It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable, is acceptable to God and approved by men. If we are doing what we are supposed to do as Christians and, do, and loving each other the way we should be loving each other, regardless of the things that may distract us, if we are being the people we need to be, we are approved of Christ. And that should be what matters. We are serving Christ. Lastly, unity can be found by putting the worship of God first. We can let a lot of things distract us. We can let a lot of opinions cause us to hate, to be hurtful to each other. But unity and harmony in Christ's body and the kingdom of God is only going to be found by putting the worship and service of God first in your life. First above your opinions about issues that you may have feelings about. Over your ethnicity. Over your social economic status. A Jew and a Samaritan can worship God together as true worshipers. Both, if they put God first. But the hour is coming and now is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such people to worship Him. You know, God seeks that kind of person to worship Him. And He seeks for us to be that type of person. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 through 18, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to that which is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know, nowhere in there did it say anything about as long as it matches your opinion. As long as what you think is right is what everybody else thinks. Give thought to what is honorable. If somebody believes a way that you don't believe, the honorable thing isn't to say, well, you're wrong. The honorable thing to do is to listen, and that's it. And live peaceably with all. The Samaritan woman and the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman is a very powerful story. And I hope that it 
has impacted you as much as it has impacted me. There's things to think about. There's things that I have been guilty of, am guilty of, of forcing my opinions and my thoughts and my beliefs on others. And I'm saying that, forcing that on them. It's my opinion that does not need to be forced on another. Instead, I should be living peaceably with all men. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ here. Live peaceably and do that which is honorable for each other. I haven't talked about how to become a Christian. I haven't talked about what that takes. But once you become a Christian, there are some things that we need to make sure we're doing. Make sure that we don't respect each... We don't... I <laughs> almost sounded bad, didn't it? I, I almost said it. almost said it. We don't need to disrespect each other. You know, that Samaritan woman sure had a lot of fire, didn't she? Who are you to ask me for a drink? Are you greater than Jacob, my father? Well, our people say we should worship on the mountain. You know, Jesus could have very easily fired back. But instead, he focused on the goal. And that was to save souls. 